Would you care to step outside? Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right, hello, welcome to DC and RMD. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD. As usual, I'm your host, Michael Flores, and this is the Superman and Lois edition. And with me in the studio is David and Steve. Hello, guys. What's up? What's up? Okay, in this episode, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 10, Oh Mother, Where Art Thou? Okay, so this series has definitely, I'd say, officially plunged into areas of Superman mythology we rarely see. To be quite honest, they have now done things that I never, ever expected to see as a Superman fan Uh, The Morgan Edge reveal, being the half-brother of Superman, has definitely left a lot of people uncertain. And I know many of us in the studio, we are on that boat. Yeah. Is this a good decision or not? And I think when it comes down to it, it's less about who Morgan Edge is. And it has more to do with who he will become or what he will unleash on not just the Earth, but the universe and we're going to explain all of this throughout today's discussion there's a lot of theories that we will work through in this episode and not the typical like bullshit clickbait theories that we get a lot nowadays on those uh through those geek blogs no tinfoil hats no these are theories based on actual superman knowledge and deductive skills not fan wants because i feel like a lot of those blogs and their theories are things that they want to happen they're not actually based on what we are getting now without getting into too much details right now in 15 seconds or less i want to know if after this episode you guys are more nervous about the direction or less and why let's start with you steve um I am more nervous, and generally speaking, it's because I feel this is something that is too soon, too early in the overall series. Whether that could have happened in a season two or otherwise, I, I there's so much more that I would have liked to have seen explored before we went with the heavy hitting right out of the gate. Okay, uh, that's fair. Dave, go. I am actually more excited because now we're getting a better picture of what's going on. And simply put, I never thought I would see an adaptation of the return of Superman. I really didn't. Didn't see it coming. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm. I was getting nervous and I try to be optimistic on shows for the most part until you finally just hand me a bag of shit. Then I'm going to shit all over you. I'm going to shit in that bag and <laughs> yeah. hand it back to you. So I try to be optimistic. And I'll be honest, I was getting nervous over the last two episodes. But for me, after this episode, they explained a lot of things and they gave us a lot of reveals. If you know Superman mythology, I feel like you're following this. Uh, and if you don't, then... You probably need to pay attention a little closer. And if you're not paying attention, pretty soon we will all know because I have a feeling we are going in a very specific direction. Okay, so let's get into this. If you are a bit unsure still or not feeling it, let me assure you this is all very much on par with what we know of Superman and the world of Superman, whether or not we are getting there too soon or or too late remains to be seen. Although, Steve, you have a valid argument, and I'm looking forward to hearing those arguments throughout today's discussion. Give me rebuttals as I go through this, because I'm telling you now, I'm going to be on the positive side of things. Um, and if you have any miss, you know, some feelings against that, then rebuttal. Sell me on your lack of enthusiasm or nervousness. Now, every element being used are ideas that are from comic books but reworked to accommodate television audiences and so that folks like us don't see things coming from a mile away because we know a lot of Superman stories. We do. But before we get into all the Morgan Edge stuff and start breaking down exactly what is happening and why, 
just in the way of story and how it's all coming together. This episode did exactly what it needed to do. It officially brought everyone's story together, which was my biggest gripe over the last three episodes. And maybe gripe is is the wrong word because I wasn't complaining, but I was stressing that we needed to see Kyle be brought into the fold. We needed to understand Sarah's story. We needed to see Lana's point. And when you think about it, this is the episode that brought Sarah, Lana, Kyle together, Jordan and Sarah, John and General Lane, Superman, Lois, Morgan Edge, and the preservation of Kryptonian supremacy were all brought together in one episode. Everyone had their points and everyone was playing the parts that they had been working towards for the previous However many episodes came prior, I feel like this is what needed to happen. We needed, before we get too far along into the second half of the season, we needed to see that point. And I always say that. I always say, hey, listen, you can have parallel narratives running uh, in a series. You can. You can have character A doing this. You can have character C doing this. But by the end of your series... We're not watching as the world turns. This isn't a soap opera, everyone doing their own thing. You have to bring those individual character arcs back together to the main narrative, the main story, the myth arc before the end of the series. And I feel like they are doing that. So in the way of writing, not talking about the reveals right now, just the writing and what they needed to do academically, I'm satisfied. Well, especially since, you know, like while they took all the elements that you're talking about, all the story arcs and myth arcs and bringing them all together, they still at its core still brought it to the one thing that the show has harped on is while all the flashy super heroics of Superman are great and goes on, the story truly is about a family coming together. And that's what you kind of get in this episode, especially, you know, like the talk between, Lois and her two sons. That was that could have been like that soap opera melodrama moment that you 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 alluded to, but instead they they grounded it down and they basically treated it like a real moment and just nipped it in the bud and basically you know Lois telling her her sons, hey, the difference between that Clark and then this Clark is that our this Clark has us. He has his family. That other Clark that basically was in the parallel universe, what's the defining difference? He didn't have he didn't have his kids. He didn't have Lois. So bringing it all back and basically hammering home the theme that what's really important in this story is the family. I thought was a nice little nugget of writing narrative in this episode. Well, looking past all of the, yeah, the glitz, you know, the superhero glitz and what you know, we think of when we see or hear of Superman. This story is, yes, about Superman, but it's also about these individual characters, their own little problems they're going through. And to see them bring those elements all together in one episode, I feel was very satisfying because we needed to see everyone's purpose. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you're saying there. I I think they, they tied a lot of stray ends up nicely together into yeah. a fabric that that needed to happen uh, sooner rather than later because there was a lot of them out there. But I still contend. Um, well, let me just say for the the path that they've been laying thus far, they had to do this. Yeah, they had to tie this all they up at some t- point uh, and make it make sense. But I still contend that. I would have liked to have seen this particular aspect of the story they're trying to tell a little bit later in the overall timeline of the series itself. And I I agree. I mean, you brought that point in the last episode about the pacing issue, introducing way too many elements too soon. And I I, I see your point. I see, especially when this episode, they just introduced a big, big element in the room when they did the Morgan edge reveal but the way I see it now, I mean, I alluded to it about this being an adaptation of a certain famous story, uh, Superman story with the return of Superman after the death of Superman. But why? Because we have the, the elements in the room that were introduced. We have steel. We have Morgan Edge as his super weapon that 
as soon as the super weapon was, I'm like, oh my God. And then you throw in the fact that basically, technically, we have a super boy in the show in in Jordan. Yeah. The only thing missing at this point is a cyborg. Is cyborg Superman. And at that point, you have the story of the return of Superman. And that's what this, to me, that's what this season has been trying to tell. It's an adaptation of the return of Superman. Only, I don't know, I think the way they do it is actually very interesting because we don't have him go through doomsday. We don't have him die. Which, well, uh, which, let's hope. Well, yeah, but, which I, I'm fine with. I don't think we we need that yeah. since we've just recently received a couple yeah. of different versions of that but in, in a way, film and cartoon. In a way, this is kind of like... Maybe this is kind of reaching. We're very but, ambiguous right now. Let's yeah. let's get into it because there's probably people out there saying, what are you talking about? Are you speaking English? So they explain things a lot better this one. for me. Uh, it has helped with some of the issues I've had with the newly introduced elements from the last couple of episodes. Now, that doesn't include the pacing as Steve brought up because there are. Uh, I'm not going to argue that there there hasn't been some pacing issues since we came back from our break from coronavirus break it was a little bumpy trying to get to where we're at but i feel like at the end of this episode we are on a level field moving forward um but it has been bumpy the last three episodes absolutely but setting that aside the elements they introduced from the last couple episodes i feel like they sit better with me now Uh, The biggest issue that just seemed rather silly to all of us, even though it is a comic book adaptation, I get that. It's a comic book. There's silly things. But but the silliest thing for me was the alleged uh, sentience that was stored in the ex-Kryptonite. Now, in this episode, we learned that the ex-Kryptonite was needed to help with the transfer process, but the Kryptonian consciousness and their power was actually stored in what they're calling the Eradicator, something that (laughs) Superman's mom actually helped create. It's essentially a time capsule, a way to preserve the Kryptonian culture through a technology that is similar to what is used by uh, Superman within the Fortress of Solitude. It's what keeps him in communication with his dead father and other Kryptonians. Uh, It has never... um, It was never designed to be a form of afterlife or a way to prolong life, as we learned. So that aspect now sits better with me because, you know, consciousness inside of ex-Kryptonite that you can then transfer to a human vessel with all of its power is just fucking stupid. And I'll say it now, now that it's been fixed. Now that's been fixed, yeah. This makes a lot more sense. And it corrects many of the issues I had in the previous two episodes. So that being said... It works. Secondly, the Eradicator. The moment they called the machine the Eradicator, I was amped because the Eradicator is a character in Superman comics that now the character has been changed from time to time over the years. Yes. But even as recent as the current Superman title uh, branded under the DC Rebirth, the Eradicator is a character obsessed with Kryptonian preservation yes the preservation of kryptonian culture its purity at any cost in a recent storyline in fact that i actually read the eradicator was actually intent on killing jonathan superman's son because it viewed him as an abomination to the bloodline but no matter what it didn't matter what superman threw at at the eradicator it would not kill superman because he was the last of the kryptonians and that's what matters above all else the preservation of krypton so the eradicator this device actually possesses okay so you ready for this the eradicator character in the comic book actually possesses the souls slash energy slash consciousness of thousands of Kryptonians that have died. In fact, in some stories, he uses them as parts of his power. He unleashes them. Yes. So this is one version of the Eradicator. But for the most part, they are similar in origin and purpose. So here we are now with a character, Morgan Edge, that has the whole Kryptonian supremacy down. He's intent on restoring Kryptonian culture. And by doing this, saving and preserving its people. So what I think is happening, and I I have a feeling you guys will agree, 
uh, we're getting a story that is laying down the path to an Eradicator origin story. Morgan Edge, at the end of the episode, said, not all is lost because I have a feeling whatever comes next will lead him to actually becoming the Eradicator as we know it. A character that eventually takes on a similar form of Superman. And, dude, if you look at the casting for Morgan Edge, yeah, he actually looks like the Eradicator. Well, and there's arguably some cooler design elements to the Eradicator costume in the comics i i don't have a problem with the story that they're telling with, within the context of the series yeah and how they're taking those elements of that character and kind of splitting them out into a person and a machine as mm-hmm. it were yeah. and then if we get to a point where they combine it will make sense that being said as much as i am a comic book fan i won't say in the purest sense i enjoy when movies or tv shows draw very deeply and directly from the comics because it it brings to life the things that you're imagining as you're reading them yeah and and i or even in video games however there are some things throughout the history of comics (laughs) that let's face it it's a business and they're there to make money and so they crank out books on the monthly and in some cases weekly or bi-weekly yeah that does not mean that everything that's ever been committed pen to paper is worth ever committing to another medium. No. Yes. Yeah. And so that's where I have problems with some of the deep dive. I enjoy the deep dive and pulling out of the archives and bringing stuff into new mediums and retelling things. That's awesome. But sometimes some things should be be left. And I'm hoping that that's <laughs> not the case here. I agree with you, Steve. But that's where I get nervous. No, well, I, I agree. Absolutely. In fact, how many times have I said that, David, in shows? I, pretty much exactly what Steve has said. There are things in comic books that are just fucking stupid. Yes. Like, just dumb. Yeah. And they should not be adapted. Yeah. And that's why, yes, I feel like we're in a good position currently. But that doesn't mean I feel like we're in the clear. Because this no. very well can completely fall apart and completely become a pile of dog shit. I'm hoping it doesn't because if we had went with the original design of the eradicator and he was just a person (laughs) from the get go that possessed Kryptonian souls Souls. or consciousness, Mm -hmm. that would have been fucking stupid. Now, if they do this by way of technology and they have a device that was created and somehow he becomes merged with it, suddenly that works a lot better on screen for live action. Is saying what you just said, you were, you were kind of reading my mind. Yeah. If they merge it and he doesn't become the Eradicator character, but becomes Cyborg Cyborg Superman, Superman. Mm. a la Superman 3 with the robot lady, (laughs) then I'll be back on board full. And yeah, what I'm robot lady, <laughs> always with the old movie references, man. Every but it's time. some of the best ones. It's some of the best references For too. As silly as that shit is, I buy it more than the silliness of the Eradicator in the comics. The Eradicator <laughs> yeah. in the comics, yeah. Well, because okay, listen, hold on. I, I have I have to say this, Steve. So you think the Eradicator is silly in comic books, which he is. I, I will give you that. I agree. Cool costume though. But you love crypto. Oh come on, dude! I, Who doesn't I, love crypto? I love crypto. Who doesn't I love, love crypto, crypto in Titans? Yeah. <laughs> crypto, you can't hate a dog. No, you want to be honest, Steve. You were so amped when they introduced crypto. Before you even know he knew he was going to be cool in Titans. Because he is cool in Titans. Because it's one of those so outlandish and ridiculous things where you're like, it's either going to be a steaming pile of dog yeah. shit or it's going to be <laughs> incredible. Epic. Yeah. And, and it, somehow it was incredible. You know what's funny is Crypto actually battles the Eradicator in the same storyline that I'm talking about. <laughs> and he, the Eradicator consumes him. Yes. And then he consumes the dog. Yeah, he kills the dog. And, no, 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 no. And then Crypto, I think like two issues later, like saves day by bursting out of the Eradicator. Out of the Eradicator. So it's, oh, it's so, it's, it's the it's glories of comics. It's not great. That's why now I look at this as an adaptation and I'm like going, they're taking the elements. Take of, the cool concepts. Take the cool concepts right. and adapt them into something that is much more manageable. Yeah, because the Eradicator on paper is a cool concept. Oh, yeah, In the absolutely. comic book, I have never been drawn to him, honestly. No. I, I've always thought he was cool, but I've never completely been sold by every story they've used him on. Yes. Now, or the Eradicator was originally introduced in DC Hannon, I want to say in the late 80s. Yeah, but he with played, Return of Superman. Yes, but he really came to become, I, I want to say his claim to fame was more... 
have it had more to do with the with the post post death of Superman. Yes. As you mentioned, just like Steel. So once again, it seems like the writers are intent on telling a death of Superman story without the actual death. Yeah. And for the most part, I'm okay with that because from the death of Superman came a lot of to be perfectly honest, a lot of shitty stories. Yeah. But a lot of cool concepts. Cool concepts. They couldn't quite make many of those concepts work. But the ideas themselves were solid. And that's what I'm really appreciating about this show in particular, because I'm uh, I'm really seeing this show do something that I haven't seen any other super. Any they have other, balls, uh, David. Yeah, the writers have balls. They, they're doing things that not even some of the other Superman movie were willing to do. Introduce, introduce elements from the comics and adapt them to kind of show that the universe of Superman is huge. There is a yes. rogues gallery to it. There yes. is like elements outside of, you know, Lex, Lex and, and Brainiac and Doomsday. And Doomsday. Yeah. Yeah. There's something more out there for Superman. And that's why I find myself really enjoying this show and hoping it maintains its quality because you're right, David. They are doing things that we as Superman fans have always wanted them to do, but we never get there. We never get we to never these get points. There. And now this is a show that says, fuck it. We're not going to do Luther. Luther's been done before. Fuck Doomsday. He's been done before. People know these characters. Let's move into territories that most people have never heard of. Um, and at this point, it's about just adapting it better. And honestly, I prefer overall, I prefer adaptate adaptations like these over direct adaptations for a lot of reasons. Number one, yes, the, the, the actual stories themselves aren't always great, but also I like a little bit of mystery. Yeah. A little surprise. Yeah. I like not knowing what's, what's going to happen. And if I've read every comic book, which I've read a lot, you know, then there goes the entire fun for me watching a show. But Mm -hmm. that being said, one thread that still has never been addressed or even touched upon. And this episode in particular, because of the Morgan edge reveal Mm -hmm. uh, and, and explanation of him being the half brother. Right. We have completely glossed over and the CW is almost forcing you to forget about the fact that we had an entire Supergirl series. <laughs> yes. That this Clark and Lois visually yeah. are the same ones. Yes. I don't think we're in Arrowverse, dude. I, 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 I agree. You're right. I, I agree with you, Mike. I believe that we are not in the Arrowverse, but as a casual viewer, that doesn't necessarily watch every episode or doesn't necessarily know all the history of the CW as a network making mm-hmm. these shows or as maybe not even a, a person that reads as, as many comics as, as anyone here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the casual viewer will not know those things. Right. Yes. And they will not go to Screen Rant or whatever web-based... <laughs> to figure out what's to going on. To figure out what's going on. And so from that perspective, you're really doing a disservice to the viewer through confusion. Okay, yes. in what way? Because you're not telling them that these two things are completely disconnected. From? And from, from the Arrowverse, from okay. the Superman and Lois that we saw. How did this Superman and Lois get here? Am I to assume that this is a multiverse situation and that's a different Earth and that's a different Kara? And if I, if I don't know that, where's the Kara on this Earth and how did this hobo come out of nowhere? <laughs> and, he, and he's now a half-brother. Okay, you're right. I, hold on. I, you're throwing too much at me. Okay. Oh, like I, the show did. So stupid. I, I agree with that. I do. In fact, I think I had this conversation with Bob a couple days ago. But is it their obligation as a group of writers that are writing a show called Superman and Lois to tell a story about Supergirl when it has nothing to do with their show? It is the obligation of the producers and showrunners to not fuck up so poorly that you have such a disjointed, disconnected mess that's confusing the viewing audience. Okay, but you... As a viewer who probably didn't watch Supergirl, because Supergirl's, no, I'm not talking about you. The, the royal you. I'm generalizing here. Uh, let's be honest, look at the ratings. No one is watching Supergirl. So, well, no, because for the it, most part, people are just now tuning in to watch Superman. So, not, you know, understanding exactly where we're at isn't a big deal at this point. Now, I will say at some point, 
we absolutely have to address the elephant in the room because everyone, if you read those dumb trades and people on social media who are in the know are continually calling this the Arrowverse. And honestly, this isn't, I think at this point in the game, we can say this isn't in the Arrowverse. I don't think the writers would just retcon the fuck out of everything uh, just for the sake of retconning. No, I have a feeling that we are not in that universe. And we've been talking about this all season, right? We have said, well, how is it that John and Jordan are 13 when in the crossover, Lois was pregnant? So 13 years later, different universe, what's happening here? Now, to back you up even further, Steve, that they eventually are going to have an obligation to tell us what's going on with the overarching story of the universes. The Morgan Edge thing. Morgan Edge was a character in Supergirl. <laughs> yes. And, and based on this character here, Morgan Edge is a Kryptonian. And he always has been. He assumed the name Morgan Edge, not because he took it away from someone, not because he possessed Morgan Edge, but because he became Morgan Edge like Superman or Kal-El became Clark. Yes. So they do have some explaining to do. Absolutely. They have to introduce the idea of the multiverse. Now, they did say it, obviously, and the whole aspect pertaining to Steel. They did bring that into play. But without getting into the weeds too much when it comes to the multiverse, because, again, they are trying to appeal to a bigger demographic than what the typical Arrowverse show uh, has been doing of late. So I feel like that's why they're playing coy with a lot of this. They don't want to confuse people and make people think they have to watch all the other shitty shows to enjoy this. And I think that's fair. I think it's it's nice that they've broken away from that um, and, and tried to do their own thing. Um, but at some point they do have to point. bring it up. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, in the future have a plan. Yeah. Because like <laughs> I could plan easily... was to run as fast as they can from everything that they've put out before. This. It's the plan because... for this show. Yes, that was the plan, but I'm saying <laughs> holistically the plan of everything else. Because correct me, correct right. me if I'm wrong, Steve, but like, say for example, like what you're saying is like, okay, a completely new viewer watches just this season they would be fine they would be be fine fine. yeah but then after they're done with this first season they say oh i want to see more and then they find out oh i'm gonna go to super inverse can happen the inverse could happen yes Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like going what the hell is this yeah (laughs) and then they get confused so yes valid points i and i agree so morgan edge i'm also okay with Edge's backstory, surprisingly, at first, I, I wasn't keen on the brother aspect, and I'm still not completely sold. I'm not. However, I'm okay with it because it's not necessarily about him being the brother. It's it's about his whore mom. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's true. It's true, though. I do like Edge's backstory and how he came to Earth and how his experiences with humanity were vastly different from Clark's. And the reason why. And if it wasn't for this episode, I would still be adamantly not sure. But this goes back to what you and I, Dave, talk about a lot. Much of the reason why Superman is as good as he he is is because the way he's connected to humanity. It's due to how he was raised, his upbringing. It's intense. And of course, his current family structure. He has every reason to love humanity. Mm -hmm. Morgan Edge much like Red Sun Superman, due to his experiences, has, has no reason to care. It's it's nature versus nurture. And in this case, nurture is clearly uh, the influence on both of these individuals and how they turned out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it always, it does, the, the, the idea of Superman, okay, he, he is essentially a god. He's unstoppable. And how do you make a god? Because what's that saying? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Is that is yeah. that the saying? Yeah, it's true. And when you are essentially a God, why would you play nice with beings that are far less than you in almost every single way? Well, in order for us to swallow that, they've always managed to connect Superman to humanity in mm-hmm. the ways I mentioned. Yep. Morgan Edge is acting a lot like anyone else would if he was mistreated by peons, by ants. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that as well. Again, not completely sold on the fact that he's his brother. In fact, I don't understand why he needed to be his brother. 
I feel like they could have made him any rando Kryptonian and it would have worked just as fine. I still don't quite understand that connection. Why the brother? Hopefully that bloodline, that connection will come through a little. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they'll work on that a bit more and maybe it will, in fact, have some type of effect on Clark. And if that's the case, if it really does play out in that direction, that this is his brother and for whatever reason, he feels some sense of loyalty towards him then I will understand. But if well, we don't go choose between humanity and the only brother, half brother that he didn't even know he had. Right. Could he be placed in a pickle where he has to make that decision? Yeah. That, that could also again, cause Lois's father to view him one way or, or another. another. And especially if you, if the way that they've been really expertly, writing their narratives narratives and everything at this point if you go with the brother aspect fine because i actually see them playing on the parallel of clark and Tar- uh, i think it's taro or more we'll call him morgan edge for now but yeah drawing the parallel between these two brothers and then the his two sons with jonathan and jordan mm-hmm. is a really great way again there's some poetry there's of, some- of kind of continuing the narrative themes that have been strong for this series. They just need to play on it a bit more for, for me to, for, for it to be justified that you pulled a, a brother out of your ass. <laughs> Essentially, they, yeah. they have to continue to play on that a bit more. They, it can't just be one episode where they talk and you see Clark has this connection to him because it is his brother. Uh, it's the, it's the brother of his mother. He never knew like listen, or the son of the, the mother he never knew. Like I get that. But we need to continue to play within that area a bit more to justify it being his brother. I agree. I could be wrong, but I believe this story may lead to Brainiac for season two. If memory serves me right, I believe the Eradicator's actions draws Brainiac's attention at some point in one of the stories. Is that correct, David? Do yeah, I have that is that correct. Right? Because after the return of Superman... Uh, Brainiac shows up. Okay, so they could be setting up a big story that leads into season two as well. It could. I mean, at this point, you could adapt and go straight to the next, you know, stage of the story, which is Brainiac, or you could just do what they've been doing very expertly and just drawing onto other elements of Superman or Superman mythos that, like, the fans aren't familiar with and do that instead. Yeah, I would almost prefer that. Um because Brainiac is one of those characters that we do get a lot. We've never seen him in a movie necessarily, but in all of our TV iterations, we have seen Brainiac. In fact, in the recent canceled Krypton series, yeah, Brainiac was the villain. Which Brainiac was it? Jesus, I don't even know, Dave. Do you know? I forgot. There's, only, Krypton? there's only one Brainiac that I ever want to see, and I have yet to see, except for I think uh, they did it in the, the Adventures of Superman cartoon years ago. I want the metal skeleton. Oh, the metal skeleton Brainiac? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's the coolest one yeah. visually in my mind. Maybe not the coolest in terms of personality or whatever, but... Um, they did do a pretty good job in Krypton with him. The um, art design, the production design for Krypton is fucking amazing. It, it's an underrated show. Yeah, that was uh, an underrated Superman I'm show. I'm devastated that it was canceled because it could have gone into some really cool fucking territory. But unfortunately you try to sell a Superman story without Superman. It's never going to work. Right. One thing that I I think that they've, they've opened a little bit of a Pandora's box on this was the, the bringing of Superman's mother into Lana, which made perfect (laughs) sense in terms of the stepping stones of, of her character. And it's like, man, she was responsible for leading all these Smallville uh, citizens down this path of being turned into something. Um, However, it presents a major conundrum because it it would appear that in some of these characters that have been given these sentience, uh, the sentience and powers or whatever, there still seems to be some kind of connection between their normal personality and this new personality where there's some bleed over. And the fact that she's known Clark and he shows back up into Smallville, she's been spending quite a bit of time with Clark and and, uh, Lois and um, had never seen Superman apparently until this episode, you would think that in that moment she would have made the connection that Clark is Superman, Superman. and Superman is Clark. But glasses, now, glasses, right. We but the glasses. now that she has uh, the sentience of, of, uh, of 
you know, his mother inside of her. How are they going to play with that? How yeah. are they going to have Lana will eventually, in my mind, have to know something that no one else knows outside of the family unit. Well, that's yeah. why I'm, I'm that's the one element in this episode that I'm really you guys mentioned earlier that how this whole series is kind of like a very, very delicate house of cards. Yes. One one element out of place could easily bring it all down. One asshole that bumps into that table yeah. can make it all fall. And the one asshole in this one, I feel that the episode introduced for the first time for me in the series was introducing the fact that Superman's mother comes back and basically inhabits the body of Lana because you're right, Steve. I mean, it, when you, when you, Say it out loud. It sounds silly. Well, yeah. You know, the the mother of Superman just inhabited the body of Lana Lang. So all that stuff, all the problems that you could see happen with that, that's the one element like, in the episode that kind of bothered me. I don't think it's a big deal because they You're, can easily work through it. At some point, they're going to start teasing that Lana does know Clark's real identity i i mean that's just lana lana at some point always starts to figure it out yes and i and possibly this is going to be the beginning of that because i thought about the same thing and i'm wondering if because there is a bit of a memory exchange between host and um kryptonian that a little bit remains and a part of me is wondering if lana will retain some knowledge of what or who if not then it's a huge loophole that they that's kind of bullshit. I, yeah. I hope. That, yeah. I hope that it causes more drama. I think so. But the entire premise, again, like you said, once you say it out loud, what just <laughs> happened? It's very days of our lives. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, after getting past the whole oddity of your mother being placed in the body of a woman you fucked. I mean, <laughs> that's it, just it well. Actually, did he bone in this? In this Clark in as this, Clark in probably this series? Do we know that they banged Steve? Who dates anyone and not fucks them? Come on. Like, well, what are we, 12? Especially in hey, it's Smallville. Small, it's Smallville. It's Smallville. Yes, even more reason. Even more maybe they reason. Had nothing to do. But maybe they had a better moral compass than you or hey, I. Hey, listen, tipping cows are fucking Lana. I'm going to fuck Lana. <laughs> tipping cows. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I am a little... Um, I mean, you, I wasn't... Okay. At that point, Steve, are you telling me that Clark stayed a virgin till Lois... That doesn't no. sound right. That doesn't sound right. It's kind of Superman-ish, but I don't think that's the case. It's very Boy Scout of Superman, you know? And for the record, I've dated several women that I did not sleep well, with. Plus, it, it happens. It happens. Well, no, and plus the close the close relationship that he has with Lana, That's we've already seen. We see that basically they're very close. But, you know, because the story of Lana and Superman or Clark was the fact that Clark went off to metropolis the big city the big city and you know he had he could have had a life in in small he could have had Lana. any woman he wanted he was so, superman i was like i'm like going obviously let's i think that clark banged lana oh, okay this is, <laughs> honestly i agree but this isn't the debate show where we talk about uh who's superman bone fu- that should be a you know a spinoff show who's superman, who's superman fucked, fucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay so Let's continue this a bit with the Lana Lang stuff and the consciousness of Superman's mother, Laura Larvan. Okay, so getting past the oddity of of the mother aspect being placed in in Lana, it does work for me. Yes, it presents a lot of questions. It does. But it was a careful way of including a character without introducing yet another character. Uh, By using Lana as a proxy, it saves time and utilizes a character that's already established, also who needs to find her point fully and solidify her point in the series while building on Lana's courage and viability as an important character in the world of Superman. I Overall, I feel like it was a good call. It does present questions, but I feel like those questions are going to linger because they're going to play parts later in the show, whether it be in the next episode or in later seasons. So it did work for me. And the Lana, or not the Lana, the Laura, Laura Van character, I mean, it was only a matter of time before we introduced Superman's mother. I mean, Superman's mother is just as important as Jarrell when it comes to his tutelage as as Superman. Um, and the fact that they even address 
that Morgan Edge stole her, I don't know, the crystal. That's the reason why she's not in the Forces of Solitude with Jarrell. It clarifies the fact that Jarrell's by himself. And I'm assuming that the end of this season, Superman's going to have all his tools inside of the Forces of Solitude, oh, which includes easily. his actual the actual representation of who his mother is and what she looks Who's like. Does it are. include his his spaceship? His 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 toy spaceship from the from the cartoon. Maybe maybe crypto too. That'll make you happy, right? It, it might. Yeah, I don't know. I the way Titans has done it, it's so perfect that I don't even think someone can rival that at this point. No, I agree. <laughs> All right, so John and Grandpa Lane, I just love it. I respect communication like nothing else. I love when two people in a family can talk to each other and set each other straight in a way that possibly others cannot. And to see the respect and love Lane has for his grandchild does so much in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. for character development. Two minutes and he called grandpa out on his nonsense and yeah. bullshit. And he did it in such a way that was that there was some snark to it, but 100% truth and, and factual uh, uh, logic. Yeah. And, and he couldn't refute it. It's yeah, very, I, the, the conversation was very relatable and very believable between two, you know, uh, normies. Well, not two normies, <laughs> but two family members. That yeah. is, that is a, a atypical conversation I would expect. And I, I, I again think that the writers of the show, they know how to do dialogue properly when it comes to dialogue between characters that have relationships yeah you write what you know and what i'm getting is all these writers have all kinds of interpersonal problems interpersonal with problems of family <laughs> yeah oh yeah but, but but i will say i do like that okay so you have two characters john and general lane yeah that are normal characters they're, they don't have superpowers but they're each trying to protect their family mm-hmm. in their own way one is not fully thinking it through he likes to shoot first, ask questions later. And John has a little bit of Lois, a little bit of Superman and a little bit of even his grandpa inside of him. It seems like, and it's interesting to see a character talk down another character and actually help him see the error in his ways, because not all people have those types of uh, individuals in their lives. And also let's say general lane has other grandchildren certain grandchildren don't always resonate with the grandfather in a way that he would listen to him and the fact that john is very distinctly different in his eyes than even jordan uh he obviously respects john in a very different way because he played football he was a man <laughs> he was a man <laughs> so i like that they are continuing to build on that relationship and not just for the sake of drama but you know characters People seem to forget that a true character arc means a character must learn. They have to learn something. Mm. And Lane is learning. He's recognizing his mistakes. And honestly, I'm actually very grateful that they're doing this because even though I like the suspense from the beginning of the season that, oh, Lane could turn on Superman. I don't think that's a possibility now. Uh I did like how it worked at the beginning, but I like this better. I like that you have someone who's learning from his mistakes and he's realizing that there are other ways of doing things. Right. And if they didn't have that, he would very quickly become an incredibly unlikable character and you would just be sick of seeing him in any scenes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So next Sarah and Kyle, where do we go from here with the family? Do we continue to include them in the secrets and slowly bring them into the bigger stories? Or do we keep them as grounding elements? Like, what do you guys think is going to happen here? I think, I think Kyle's part in this is probably coming to an end. I mean, especially in the very, uh, toward the end of this episode, when he gets basically dealt with Mm -hmm. and essentially, captured and everything else and he's already i feel his story right now is kind of like being tied up because what else can you do with him at this point he's been one of those the one of the characters that has been rather weak this entire season but they did a good job of building him up the last episodes just to give him some motivation to be in this to be in this season yeah and right now I don't see what the importance of him in this 
in, in past this in the narrative at this point. Yeah, I mean past this past episode pa- eight. Past episode eight. Well, I just don't. We've been. I, that's something I've been saying since the beginning. Like, what's Kyle's point? And the fact that they gave him a point that actually matters to some degree. It's more about Sarah and Lana, but he yeah. he is an element in that story. So I feel like they can do that again, you know, easily. But what do you prefer? I, I guess my question was, do you prefer them to be brought into the fold, into the bigger mysteries and stories? Like, for example, how Sarah was told about about the Krypton plan, the Kryptonian plan. Or do you feel like they need to be held at bay so they can remain that true grounding element to the, the more the, the more human aspects of the show? I think you need them there to ground the humanity of it. But again, I could go either way with Kyle. I could see him learn from his mistakes and grow as a human being and be a better father and a better husband. Mm-hmm. I could also see him get get uh, dealt with and be gone and then have the other characters have to deal (laughs) and grow and and deal with the absence of him. That to me is just as compelling, if not more compelling. And we don't have to deal with his bullshit. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I agree. Personally, I feel like Clark should set up like a Mormon compound and he should have Lois and Lana just as wives. I think (laughs) honestly he should quit saving humanity and he should just put all his attention on Lana's titties and Lois's determination and fiery spirit. <laughs> fiery like spirit. Just, but that's the life right there. Am I wrong? It turn, turn the, the fortress of solitude into a fortress of uh, debauchery. Yeah, there we go. That, that's good. Don't even call it the fortress of solitude. Call it the, you know, the compound of debauchery. debauchery. I don't <laughs> Debauchery. Debauchery is a better word. All right. So I loved all the Superman highs in this episode. Confronting Edge. Superman being chased by all the Kryptonians. Saving the town and the people. And that last part, saving the town and the people, that's something every modern, and I'm saying every, I'm talking about Marvel, DC, every modern superhero movie, they always lose sight of the fact that they are superheroes. Superman has always been a multitasker. And when it came, when it comes to his problems and fighting the baddies, what is he always doing while he's fighting the baddies? He's always saving people. That's always his priority. It's not just about stopping the baddie. It's also preventing people from uh, the fallout, mm. collateral damage. And to see him do that again in this episode and put human life above everything else, I feel like it stays true to Superman. And it's one of the reasons why I love this show, because they're not forgetting what superhero content is really about. I mean, look at the Marvel movies. I mean, when's the last time we saw any of them actually save people? No, that's true. Truly save people like individually where it's more personal. I'm not talking about resetting the clock and, and preventing people from being snapped out of existence. Sure. They save billions of people, but I'm talking like intimately saving people. I think the closest thing you can probably get to, we don't see it anymore. Well, is probably Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was going to say, there was some of that. There was was once or twice in WandaVision. It it happens, but it's not the focus. The the focus is on the big threat. The the most similar thing you can look at is... I like like them reminding us what what it's about. I think that's what our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is for. Yeah, that's true. The little guys. Oh, no, that's true. All right, so final thoughts. It does seem like the critics are liking this show. I am, I'm kind of excited about that. It's not just the fans. And I'm not talking about Rotten Tomato critics. I'm talking about <laughs> academic critics. If you go through this list of true critics, they rate, they're rating these episodes accordingly. And I'm just going to go in order from episode one to now. 9. 9.5, 9.5, 9.57, 9.57, 9.59, 9.56, 9.51 and 9.67. And these are from, these are critics from academia. These are real critics. I fucking love it. That this is, I would call this a critically acclaimed series then. I would it, agree. Oh yeah. It, it, but that's not what uh, gets put in the papers and in, in the commercials is critically acclaimed. It's the Rotten Tomatoes and IGNs and Rolling Stone. And, and Metacritic. And, and yeah. Metacritic. Yeah. Now I will say, and, and Mike, maybe you have better numbers. I saw a headline that said that there was 30,000 viewers added to it. That's, yes. That, in less than seven days. That seems low. Well, that's not even the, the full numbers. Now, those yeah. 30,000, that was, I believe, after a four to five day period. That's not even the typical plus okay. seven day. 
And that's also only including the, the DVRs of those first few days from the CW app. And I believe DVR. So it's not, it's not including the, the encore presentations on other channels. Mm, okay. It's not including a lot of things. It's so, the live viewership. Yeah. I will say that it is sad that this show is getting bad press because I, I wish people would stop with headlines that make shows look bad. For example, there was an article that was published. I want to say two weeks ago that said Superman Lois plummets and loses 500,000 viewers. Yeah, and so that that headline is clickbaity and it's toxic, and so then it will turn people off. Yes, exactly. It tells people that they shouldn't watch the show without the context of saying, oh, the reason why it dropped was because no one knew it was coming back because it was off the air for eight weeks because of coronavirus. Journalism's Mm -hmm. dead. It's so fucking annoying because all that does is hurt the show. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so final thoughts. I loved it. I'm giving it a 93%. David, you go. Uh, My final thoughts on the episode i really liked this episode was a definite uptick from the past two episodes uh my score for this one is a 95 i really dug it um i've gotten to that point like in the last episode i mentioned how i was i don't like the decisions that they've made but at this point i'm so impressed with what they've done writing wise with the narrative that i'm like going you know what most of I found myself actually coming to the realization most of the disagreements I had is simply because I'm looking at it as a comic book person because oh they didn't introduce him exactly like uh, the Eradicator in the comics or even Steel but at the end of the day I look at it and go am I okay with this yeah it was done very well because just like what you guys said when you take a look at some comic book stuff it's ridiculous. And in this series, they've been able to actually take something and ground it and make it believable. If he puts on the glasses, it might be ridiculous. <laughs> so Those big visor glasses. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Looking like Max Headroom and Put shit. Put on some blue blockers. <laughs> David or Steve, go. Um, I, you know, I scored it really low last week. I will say that did tie some things together. And so that's going to bring my score up this week, but it's only going to bring it up to an 86. I'm still That's still good. Though. I'm still very, very nervous, and I will remain nervous probably for at least another couple of episodes. Well, I'm beginning to understand, like uh, Steve, what Bobby said to us is like we've been scoring this like 80s and nine, low well, 90s, and we're 90s. feeling terrible, but we're like going, those are good scores. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's still a very watchable <laughs> very and enjoyable watchable uh, series. Yeah. I'm just very nervous, as we've mentioned in the past. Yeah. All right. So this does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, leave us reviews, like us on Twitter and Facebook. And um, thank you. And good night. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 